Harrison Price for Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. Coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the Iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for accommodations by the airport, we suggest the Western Wall YVR. Get some rest, relaxation, and those plush heavenly beds. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Trevor Martin's hitting switches, conducting things for a vacation in Grady Sass. And today's show presentation of Applewood Auto Group, where the 23 Pathfinder SL. You can get it for 318 bi weekly. The 23 Frontier from 644 monthly. And then the 23 Armada SL Midnight Edition from 895 monthly. This is at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. Because Blake Price? It is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you, does Andre Kuzmenko get to? Th- 40 goals this season. Yes or no, you can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. Caps in Chicago tomorrow. Short rest after winning in Portland on Saturday. We talked yesterday that a draw would work here for Vancouver. Second of seven consecutive games on the road. I'm going exact score. Chicago doesn't score a lot, so going exact score. Yeah. 1-1, one, one, Caps maybe play a little bit more of a defensive posture. That's a 6-1 to one on your Bodog line of the day. Fair, fair. Well, speaking of defensive posture, I think a a new one is coming for the Vancouver Canucks or a continuation from what we saw from Rick Tockett at the end of last year, but it, you know, he's got a full training camp here, so I would suspect it would get even more pronounced. So I think that works against Andre Kuzmenko a little bit. Of course, the beginning of last year under Boudreaux, it was very freewheeling hockey and not a ton of defense and back-checking from the forwards. And the shooting percentage is, you know, extraordinarily high at 27%. But, you know, all those goals around the net, that's what floated the shooting percentage. I mean, tips and back doors and all the... So I, I, I do have more confidence in that holding... Maybe well, not at 27%, but staying the high. The floor remains solid. Right. So, like, I can't see it going below 26 mm-hmm. sort He's, of thing. He wasn't in NHL shape at the beginning of last year. We talked with his agent later in the program, Dan Milstein, who lays out exactly what and has happened. quite elaborate. Yes. For his offseason summer, it sounds like Kuzmenko has taken Talkit and Good Summer to heart. So I'm voting yes. I think he can get to 40-plus this year. Um, uh, If it's an over-under of 40, I'll take the under. Sure. But but can I see it? Can I see a path to 41 goals? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't think I, – I wouldn't predict 49. Like, I don't think he's going to take it one more big stride forward. Well, as Jeff tells us later in the show, there's actually a pretty stark distinction between 40 and 42. There is a line, but it's just not on the number 40 (laughs) per se, but it's very close to it. So, yeah, I I mean, it it wouldn't shock me. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little more NHL experience, too. He's probably got the league figured out a little bit more. Now he he is on the big ticket this year, so you hope the motivation is there. Well, there's two things that big contracts do. They either make you live into them, or they give it's too much pressure and you, you crumble underneath it. 
But I wonder if shots from distance becomes a a bigger thing um, for him um, because everybody loves his shot. But my goodness, how many how many he shoots, he scores goals from Kuzmenko? Not a ton. So while he'll have the tap ins as his reliable base on the power play, uh, I wonder if he can add that shoots and scores uh, element to to maybe add a few. Yesterday's Bodog poll question: Which Canucks personality would you like to play golf with? Quinn Hughes, J.T. Miller, Elias Patterson, Rick Tockett were the options. Who won the poll? I'm going to say Miller won the poll. No, Tockett. Mm. Tockett, huh? Miller was close. Tockett at 31%, Miller at 30%. Mm. Quinn got 20%. Did you think Elias could finish last on any Canucks poll? Well, (laughs) 18%. Surrey Ryan says, Miller, just to see him slice his drive and lose his shit a la Happy Gilmore. Here's the thing, Surrey Ryan. He doesn't slice. He tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. There's no slice in his game. Right on the screws, baby. He's the best golfer on the team. I think people... Or at least we don't know about the new guys. I think people feel like they know Elias Pettersson. And they don't feel like he's going to be overly sherry on a round. So mm-hmm. it just wouldn't be as fun. Smayowski. Quinn Hughes seems like the guy who would be the least annoyed with how I'm not very good at golf. It's true. I get that too. Yeah. You get that? I, I I would concur. I don't think he would be annoyed. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were the guy who was annoyed with playing partners. <laughs> and Boy. if you were with me yesterday, you had good reason to. We were out yesterday at Hazelmere for the National Golf Course Owners Association Tournament, and there was more to that story that we'll share tomorrow when Jeff Patterson comes in studio and and uh, spells you on vacation. Mm-hmm. And then Greg says, talk, it scares me. If I made a noise in his backswing or while he's putting, clenched teeth emoji. Yeah, I I, I think he's going to be direct about what annoys him probably. If Yeah, you walked across my line. You won't get invited back with that kind of etiquette, certainly with, with talk it. I played as a single several weeks ago with just a, in fact, it was a group of four singles we found out. And um, one player was quite deliberate. Now, competitive player, so understandable. Quite deliberate. But when you're so deliberate and so focused that you walk across someone's putting line, which this person did twice with me, mm-hmm. that's when I got a little annoyed. Now, didn't say anything. But the next time they were marking and looking over an 18-inch, two-foot putt, I just went ahead and put the flagstick back in and went. Kind of a little signal. We're moving on to the next screen. You want to sit there and marinate over that 18-inch putt, mark it, all that, you go right ahead. But the stick's going back in. We're moving on. You're not really allowed to play tournament rules on a recreational round. That's not not okay. I mean... It wound up being fine because there were a couple of us in the group who were a little bit wide here and searching for a ball there. So we were slowing him down from tee to green because he was pretty much in the middle. And mm-hmm. But then when we got to the greens is when really this player was responsible for the um, time allotment. And we were, for the most part, keeping pace. But I just... 
And I said it all week at the CPKC uh, Women's Open as we were sitting there watching the putts on the 18th. And I, I do believe The Athletic has written about this recently. I know I was ta- talking to Jason Logan of Score Golf about it. Things that golf can learn from baseball in terms of speeding up the pace of play. And I've mentioned this to you before, Blake. Like, I think anything inside of two feet should not be marked. Like, I think the two tour, the tourists should say, if you're inside of two two feet, it is your responsibility to putt out. Yeah. Like, I don't, you don't mark that, but okay, if you want to mark it to line it up, sure. But we don't want to see any plumb bobbing there. I don't want to see any, like, going around to the other side of the cup. Like, let's move things along. As we talked about, Blake. We know some pretty hardcore, nostalgic baseball guys, and they all love the pitch clock. Yeah, yeah. It was taking too much time. I, I think you'd even get the most ardent golf fans saying, at the pro level, two feet and in, that's something that you just got to step up and knock in the hole. Enough of this taking your time on those. The only caveat I'd say on, on that, and I, it, I agree in concept, is for the first guy to putt from distance – if he gets into, if he's a 20-inch putt, so especially on the farthest end of that scale, um, like he, where you don't just walk up and knock it with the back end of your putter in sort of thing, um, he's going to be stepping in somebody's line potentially to hit that next putt. So does that person who's second in line to putt, does he, do, they, do they want that person stepping in their line? Well, they wouldn't step in the line. they just widen the stance or narrow the stance accordingly. I don't know that that's fair because if they no. if they if they wait their like, turn they like generally avoid that. Two feet, come on! These oh. are pros. I don't know. This I've is seen. what you do. This is how you earn your We've money. We've seen the miss. We've seen the miss. So, remember last week we were talking with Rob Williams about Rogers Arena and the upgrades and going, yeah, about time. And Super good. exciting. Yeah. Super exciting. And then last night happened. I'll read from the Rogers Arena statement. Due to unforeseen circumstances with the newly installed video board at Rogers Arena, tonight's Drake performance will now take place on Wednesday, August 30th. All tickets will be honored. The Drake show scheduled for August 29th. Today will go on as planned. Drake was ready and excited to perform. He's looking forward to seeing everyone on Tuesday, Wednesday. Rogers Arena apologizes for any inconvenience this may cause. More information to follow. Signed Canuck Sports. And entertainment. Can you imagine being in town for the show last night with hotel and perhaps ferry yeah. or airfare reservation? And now and you're now bumped you've two got, nights later. Right. Nothing you can really do. I'm surprised they didn't. I mean, it must have been a safety issue, but it happened quite tight to showtime. That, well, they, there was a photo sent around of steel girders inside of the thing that had come loose. So it was a safety issue. Mm-hmm. And you, you'd rather that they did this rather than uh, try to get away with it and right. imperil the fans. So mm-hmm. the, it's the right decision, but it's still sort of a of a shake your head. Like, mm-hmm. does anything go right in that building sort of mentality? You right. know, like... Um. Yeah, it's too bad. Canuck in a Canuck moment. Um, I wonder if they just sort of slid both concerts forward, though, so that those people that did drive in or fly in, as you talk about. Now you're inconveniencing two groups. Of, I guess that's it. Yeah. I guess that's it. Here's what uh, a friend texted me. He goes, think of stars at Drake's level and what's in their writer, right? Like what they insist upon in the mm-hmm. dressing room and all that. And, and there's been some odd ones over the years, like 
you know, M&Ms but no blue ones or whatever the case may be. What do you think the make good was for Drake? Oh, boy. And his entourage because he has to basically spend a free night in Vancouver and extend his stay 24 hours. I, I, I almost wonder if it's as punitive as free venue for that night. Like, you don't. You don't pay rent for that night. Like you probably still get your food and bev right. uh, kickbacks, but and as a, as Rogers Arena, but some nightclub or restaurant in town gets a late call. Can you shut down for the night? We'll pay whatever Drake and his team are coming. Like I would guess in the in the scope of things, that's a pretty big boo boo for the venue. Well, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they would argue. Look, it's a one time installation of a huge, huge video board. You know. Bear with us. It's never going to happen again. But I would have to think if you're like the Bruce Allens of the world who managed show talent, you know, that you're talking about Rogers Arena. But let's say that let's say it's not even an act of God. Like, let's say on a deluge of rain day, there's a leak in the roof at BC Place and they have to cancel a concert there. Like that's maybe you could argue in your insurance or something like that. That's an act of God, sure. and and we this is you you're renovating. <laughs> this is just on you. Well, that's it, and and particularly since the renovations in Phase One last year bled into preseason and training camp, and then the next thing you know, or yeah. sorry, into preseason, and the next thing you know, Jim Rutherford comes out and says we had a terrible preseason, and part of it was the facility. Not being up to snuff and the guys having to go out to UBC for morning skates, in some cases before a preseason game in Abbotsford. Now. Now. A follow-up on yesterday's uh, head scratcher. Sean Payton, head coach Denver Broncos, just before NFL cutdown day, shows up at a Yaletown steakhouse to celebrate the birthday of Canucks chairman Francesco Aquilini. Wayne yeah. Gretzky is in the photo as well. The question being... How'd you get Sean Payton up in the middle of the three, most important well, part of the NFL schedule? I don't have that schedule. answer. I don't have that answer. But here's what a birdie has told me about the connection there. Oh. Uh, Russ Cortnell. Former Vancouver Canuck. Russ, okay. And, of course, brother of Jeff Cornell, yeah. who's quite close with yeah. Aquilini. So Russ uh, apparently is in real estate and has properties at a place called Gauzer Ranch in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, mm. which the Gretzkys have been there for a long time, is my understanding. They've had a summer house there. So... The connection being that I guess Sean Payton has visited the property, maybe has a place there himself or has played golf there, whatever the case may be. That connects him to Russ Cornell. Well, Russ Cornell connected him with Francesco. That connects him with Gretzky and the Cornells, which maybe the next step is connected him. With Aquiline, I still need. I still need to have somebody walk me through that connection. Like mm-hmm. where, where along the way does Russ go? You know who you should really meet: the owner of the Vancouver Canucks. Like, where, like, where does... Well, no, but this is what I'm saying: is maybe Francesco's down there with Jeff, and they all met up. And yeah. he inv- I, I don't yeah, know. Maybe. Anyways, 
that's the story I got with regards to why is the head coach of the Denver Broncos doing presumably like a short up and down trip to Vancouver to celebrate Aquilini's birthday. Like it must be a, literally a ten hour right, trip for him right to, before yeah cut down, cut down day. day. And and for those who don't know, like this is one of the big meetings of the NFL year. Like this is the head coach and the GM and all the position coaches and all the personnel guys and scouts sitting around a room talking about who should be on the roster, who should be their five actives that don't dress in week one, who they want to offer practice roster spots to, who they are okay just cutting free and waving. Which so, which brings us to our next item on today's headlines right. list, which is the very surprising decision by the Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. to put Nathan Rourke on waivers mm-hmm. after he was a bit of a the darling of preseason oh, in all of the National was. Football League. And waivers goes till tomorrow in the NFL. I mean, I think it's clear and you know, I worried about this when Doug Peterson, the head coach there, and of course a Super Bowl winning head coach with the Philadelphia Eagles previously, continued to talk about C.J. Beathard as his number two. Like, what has Beathard ever done in the NFL or even before that at Iowa that would make you want him to be the backup over Rourke? As the ironclad number two. A few things here. Number one, he's less threatening. Number two, there are just some in the NFL who cannot get over the bias, the stereotype of Canada or the CFL. I wouldn't think Doug Peterson would be that guy, because if I'm not mistaken, I think Doug Peterson had a cup of coffee in the CFL at one point, or at least was the... um, Also, he's coming out of a decent football school, too. It's not Ohio State, but it's a decent school. And, you know, was hugely honored. Yeah. Like a conference player of the year type guy. Yeah. Like a you know top five quarterback in all of NCAA football mm-hmm. type guy. Did he have a CFL bid, Peterson? I thought he had a uh, like a trial. I thought I remember. But more on Bethard, though. Bethard's 29 years of mm-hmm. age. He's got all of 12 career starts mm-hmm. in the National Football League. The man's attempted 500 career passes. I mean... And that's the guy that you just, oh, yeah, couldn't possibly unseat C.J. Beathard. Okay. Well, and some of it might have been Trevor Lawrence. Hey, you know, who do you want to be your eyes on mm-hmm. the sidelines during a game? Who knows? But nevertheless, um, Rourke is on waivers. Now, I've seen our friend Farhan Lalchi of TSN says he is absolutely not coming right back to the BC lines. Get that out of your head. Mm-hmm. In fact, Farhan even thinks that you know, Rourke would attempt the NFL even next year before any comeback to the Lions is going to happen. I think there's a good chance he gets claimed. I would think so. I mean, to make a play like that and to have the preseason he had at the most important position, I would have to think there's a bunch of personnel guys, head coaches, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinator around the league going, he's better than our number two or he's better than our number three. And there is a new rule in the NFL this year whereby so your active roster, quote unquote, is 53 players. But your game day roster, you can only dress 48. 
unless you're dressing a third quarterback, then you can dress 49. But your quarterback does have to be amongst that active roster of 53. It can't be a stasher on the practice roster and then dress him on game day to get the extra suited player. But he effectively, and you know, when we talked to him last week, Blake, and he mentioned an opportunity with Jacksonville or elsewhere, I do wonder whether he saw the writing on the wall. He's a really sharp kid. Well, I also asked him, what do you think your opportunity is in this weekend's this next preseason right. game? Is there a chance for first half reps, or do you think it's going to go one, two, three? As right. it's, he said, oh, the latter. Like yeah. he, he knew mm-hmm. there was no crack there for him to right. try to widen. Right. Uh, Lines are back on the practice field, although I say that (laughs) presumably back on the practice field. It is uh, raining pretty substantially downtown here, but they're getting back after it, uh, getting back at it for preparations for Saturday's game in Montreal against the Alouettes, and the Alouettes have been decent here. A winning team, Lions have lost two in a row. Whitecaps, of course, more urgently, they're playing tomorrow in Chicago against the Fire, as mentioned, the second of seven straight on the road. And there is big news today, or I guess it broke yesterday, with Canadian national team head coach John Herdman, who is out and will be joining TFC who have been without a coach since terminating Bob Bradley earlier this season, the ex-U.S. national team coach. And they're already sending players out on loan or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, they're already making changes there. TFC, I mean, they've had a disastrous year. Um, uh, There's been rumors just recently, even about Insigne walking out on team meetings, um, even with the interim coach in Terry Dunfield. Mm -hmm. I mean, Insignia gets along with no one. He and Bernadeschi clearly won out. Um, they're going to have to start from... This isn't what they signed up for. No. But more importantly on the... Uh, and Herdman had some quotes, I think, in the Toronto Star about, well, you know, hearkening uh, back, we're not serious. Going back to that quote about Canada soccer. Um, Canada soccer, you know, I think this is a break for them in that they get to, without any fault of their own, they get to now start fresh as well. And important decision ahead about who takes over that national team program. And maybe a difficult position to fill. Look, Canada soccer is not without its blame here. But for my money, this is good riddance. He was not exactly the most qualified guy when he got the job. His qualifications were basically he had done wonderful work with the women's program here. In Canada, he was thoroughly outcoached at the World Cup. He made the ridiculous F Croatia comment, which was just not becoming a Canadian leader on an international stage. And frankly, I had zero confidence that he was going to be the guy to take them the next step for the home World Cup in three years. Still, I, I, good riddance is strong for me. This He overachieved from where we thought he would go. I, I think both of us were cautious about this hiring when he got the job. Uh, to me, he... Like he's got great players. He had way he didn't get in the more way, talent than any other Canadian coach that preceded him. By miles. And he achieved more than any other Canadian coach. He got them to a modern World Cup. Right. 
I mean, that's where they did not win a game where they scored one goal and were the only team outside of the host Qataris to fail to get a result. Matt, they won Concacaf. Right. Good. I mean, they they when Mexico and the USA were down. Let's understand the field was not as strong as it used to be. Yeah, that's that's not their fault. They still took care of business. Yep. So no, the qualification window, there was tremendous stuff there. Did you read that story in the Athletic about him? So he effectively alienated Alfonso Davies by trying to play him at three different positions in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Which, in what world? No, he was hoping like he that could do was it. the most <laughs> the most important thing about that job job for John Herdman was to have Alfonso Davies in your corner. Make sure Alfonso felt you were a protector, that it was a good opportunity for him, and that he could realize his, his best talents. And that did not take place. No. Was it the second match against Morocco where people were saying, what's with this high press? Like, you're playing right into their hands. So tactically, got it all wrong. And I'm not a soccer guy, but many said that. And then the other stuff that I read where, like, he insisted on Nike being the kit supplier to the point where, like, they didn't even get any money out of Nike. Nike was like, all right, we got a live one here. Okay, give him the kits. We don't have to give him money. Just give him the kits. He'll be happy. So, so I, I don't know how you have I, that guy win CONCACAF and say, but you can't take them to the World Cup. I understand what happened, and he uh, ultimately oh. what happened what is what happened, and it's time to move on. But I don't know that there was a, a way to – I mean, honestly, if he's let go after winning CONCACAF before the World Cup, people would be like, what is going no, on no, here? No, no, no. The die was cast. Yeah. But I, I do think the lessons have to be learned coming out of it. And, you know, before anyone gets too upset at me, John Herdman is a Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer and stands with the best builders of the sport in our country of all time. He has been that consequential to soccer in Canada. But he's hit his ceiling, I think. I That's exactly it, Blake. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. And the players are above that ceiling. They're on the roof. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, they are. And look, um, it's 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 not only there's not only a division between the teams and the federation. There's divisions within the locker room. There's financial instability, and you do wonder what kind of coach is going to sign up for this. If if you want to make the point, yeah, hey, know what you have because you may not be able to hire at that level. Hey, I understand there's a case here. Well, I, I think what you need to do is get your house in order quickly and then hire the coach. You want to prove to the coach, hey, we've done this, this, and this. You're going to have this amount of money coming in now because we've reorganized how the money flows. This is why you're going to have everything. Because you're not going to get a big-ish name again. You have to be careful what you're wishing for here. You're not going to get a big-ish name to sign on. Mm-hmm. If he's not sure that he can, I mean, they didn't book fall friendlies because they couldn't afford it, I don't think. You know, like an incoming coach isn't going to be okay with that. So I think the first thing you do is rearrange this Canada soccer business deal and ensure that there's money coming in. And then you hire your guy. 
and go out and hire a guy who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and then maybe he'll be able to offset some of the costs. Inspire that will bring in money. <laughs> Get like Bank of Montreal to sponsor the coach. Hire someone who can go out and pay for some of the expenses out of his own pocket. Out of his own pocket. Okay. I see. <laughs> How about Canada basketball? A 26-point win over Latvia today. They're 3-0. They win their group at the FIBA World Cup in Jakarta, Indonesia. They trailed by 12 in the first half, won the game going away. You know how many times that that used to be Canada, where we hung with a world power, even had a lead in the first half over somebody, and then the world power just went, nope, and, and squashed us. And now the the shoe's on the other foot now. They play next on Friday. They may have to get through Spain or Brazil here at some point, so the competition is going to step up. But you have every reason to believe that this is finally the Canadian men's basketball team that is A, going to medal, and B, maybe even get in a gold medal game and give the United States a heck of a run. It could all be playing out here before our eyes. All the indications of this group which has demolished its competition at this tournament. And without even, they were good in pre-tournament games, don't get me wrong. But did anybody see this coming? Is, is Shake Gilgis Allen Iverson? Right down to the hair now. He's, he's copied the hair now. Well, with the, with the, and the band. He's Just, much taller. I'm not sure he's quite as lightning He's not quick. quite as fast. But, but he's I skittish. I don't think he's as bald... Uh, Put it this way, I, you know, I, I mean, Iverson was a scoring guard playing point guard. Yes. Gilgis Alexander, I think, has got a little bit more point guard to yep. him yep. For in sure. the traditional sense. A little smarter distributing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, just the way for you, he'll, he'll, he'll penetrate and then do this quick step back. Like, right. he's pretty tough to guard. Like. Well, and they're pretty good defensively, too. Like, Brooks and Dort, these guys can play D. Yeah. So they got a lot of things going on for them here. And uh, Alexander Walker was stepping up yet, uh, mm-hmm. today. I mean, it's, it's a good mm-hmm. team effort. Heck, Kelly had another 16, 17 points. Yep. I mean, really good. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm so happy for Kelly because each and every time the country called, Kamloops' Kelly Olenix answered it, went and played with teams that, let's face it, were not necessarily up to this one. Uh, was a leader on those teams, was a scorer on those teams, and has understandably, you know, look, he's deep into his NBA career. You've got this golden generation of players come on up, and yet still he is there captaining this club. SGA, by the way, the fourth Canadian with multiple 25-point games at a single World Cup. Um, World Championships, as it used to be known. The first since Triano, our guest yesterday, Mm -hmm. he's the first guy to do it since Triano in 86 Routens did it in 78. Carl Ridd did it in 1954. That's the company he's keeping, Mm. and that's the distance from the last time. Mariners went a fourth straight last night. 7-0 against Oakland. Four more hits for J-Rod. Six shutout innings from Brian Wu. Ridiculous. Blue Jays win in Washington. Houston wins in Boston. Texas beats the Mets. It's a push. Well, except for Boston. Red Sox are now five and a half out of the wild card. Might be do- might They be called toast. up a top prospect today. Maybe that's to help give them a push. Maybe that's because they recognize some playing time is going to be available here. Matt Chapman, fine third baseman for the Blue Jays, goes on the injured list. 
That's concerning. Bichette didn't play yesterday. And, well, closer to home, the Vancouver Canadians are scheduled tonight at Nat Bailey against Hillsborough, the first of six. This is the final regular season homestand of the year. Of course, they are hosting playoff games, but... Not bloody likely. Tonight, they may have a bit of an issue. There is a heck of a lot of rain coming down outside our window here at the Sheraton Wall Center. All right. Menu time brought to you by De Dutch. To breakfast, to brunch, to lunch, get it all at De Dutch. As mentioned, a fantastic conversation with hockey player agent Dan Milstein today. He represents Andre Kuzmenko. He takes us through Kuzmenko's summer, and the Vancouver Canucks were not particularly enthusiastic about Kuzmenko's plants this summer. He takes us through Ilya Mikheyev's recovery, and there's a a meeting here with the doctors that are going to uh, shortly that is going to determine whether Mikheyev is full tilt, full go, 100% from the start of preseason, or if he'll sort of be eased into that coming off the ACL surgery. And his other client, Danila Klimovich, whose goal is to play NHL games this year. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. And you'll hear the conversation later. But he represented Pavel Datsuk when he was playing. Milstein did. And he has shared a Datsuk story with Klimovich to inspire him coming to this Vancouver Canucks training camp. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including Ryder Cup selections. Jeff Patterson stopping by as well. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers, Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA, hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Carson Price from All Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Head to the Richmond Auto Mall right now and have a chat with folks at Applewood Mitsubishi and ask them about a test drive in the plug-in hybrid edition of the fabulous Mitsubishi Outlander. You'll be blown away by the ride. Uh, yesterday, ran out of electricity on the way there, ran out of battery on the way there, so put it mm-hmm. in a charge mode on the way home. Right, gas motor charges it up. By the time I get home, I got battery left, yeah. and I'm I'm still like the, the fuel efficiency is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Was I that did. your longest single trip in it? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, okay. that was my big one. I figured that was my big one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, folks, it's uh, it'll blow you away. Uh, I highly encourage a test drive. Get to Applewood Mitsubishi today. Bodog poll question today: We're asking you, does Andre Kuzmenko 
score 40 goals this season. Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharson Price on Twitter. Vote on your source. Free casino games. Poker strategy and sports odds. Taking a swing here on an NFL future. The Cleveland Browns. They finally have a quarterback, Deshaun Watson. He's able to play from week one. That looks like a pretty good defense. Miles Garrett is the real deal. Added another rush end. Joe Burrow's already nicked in Cincinnati. Lamar Jackson had all the offseason contract drama with Baltimore. Browns to win the AFC North. Pretty good value at plus 340 on your Bodog line of the day. Well, our next guest represents a number of Vancouver Canucks and a number of Vancouver Canucks who are in the spotlight this summer and heading into training camp. It is our pleasure to welcome hockey agent Dan Milstein of Gold Star to secure some price. Dan, how you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Thanks for making the time here today. First of all, we're uh, talking about your client, Andre Kuzmenko, on today's show, and it has been quite a whirlwind or worldwide whirlwind for him this summer. Dan, tell us the whole story on Andre Kuzmenko's summer, what he wanted to do and what you had to do to make it happen and make it all work together with what the Canucks were expecting this summer. Well, uh, obviously, he wanted to be in the best shape of his life. Um, and so uh, we uh, we had to we were put up to uh, to a task because he was going to visit uh, uh, Bali for a few months, and uh, obviously in the country of Bali there isn't really much happening as far as the uh, on and off ice training. So we got him a one on uh, one on one uh, trainer for the month of June. We had a different trainer for the month of July, and then he came to the United States. He's been in Miami uh, through the last week. Uh, training with uh, all the boys at Florida Panthers facility, so it's uh, it's been uh, it's been quite a summer for our friend Andre. Yeah, what did the Canucks think when he said, "I'm going to spend most of my off season in Bali"? Oh my God, uh, they weren't having it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we've heard from the head coach, we've heard from from everybody, uh, and maybe perhaps even the janitor too. Uh, so uh, obviously, everyone was concerned. But uh, I told everybody to take a chill pill. We had it. Uh, under control. We've called up the best guys. Uh, uh, the month of June, he was uh, training with uh, Pavel Datsuk's uh, uh, former uh, uh, of uh, uh, the summer's trainer. So, uh, and then in July, we had another uh, fella uh, who has trained numerous uh, NHL players. So we knew he was going to be um, in good shape and uh, under control the entire summer. So his task was to stay farther from the table and closer to the gym. So, <laughs> so he's uh, he'd been on the ice in the month of August. He was off ice for June and July and on ice in August. Is that fair? No, he's he skated through. He skated uh, uh, in Bali as well. Um, we had the training facility. We found the ice in Bali. So no, you didn't. Been, Where did Where? you find ice in Bali, Dan? That's 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 what we do. That's why we're one of the best ones in the business. That's unbelievable. So, no, but honestly, tell us the story. Where is there an ice hockey rink in in Bali? Or is it synthetic? No, guys, it's a, it's a legitimate thing. We've looked it up, and um, we we I, sp- I have spoken to the uh, uh, rink's uh, manager numerous times. I mean, we had it all figured Holy out, ready cow. for Andre. Is- he got uh, he got everything he needed, and then some. And so he spent the entire time uh, preparing, working out. Uh, a lot of unconventional stuff. I'm sure you've seen it on yes. my uh, yeah. uh, on my Instagram and my Twitter. Uh, so he couldn't find weights, so he found some wood that he used instead of the weights. And uh, uh, there were no 
uh, you know, elliptical and some other machines. So we discovered some stairs, staircases and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's whatever it takes uh, to get our client in shape. And uh, uh, we had a long conversation and obviously um, he's uh, in, in, in Russia, KHL and perhaps anywhere in, the, in Europe, uh, you basically get like three weeks off uh, season and then you come in and uh, your preseason is uh, two months uh, or so. Like teams in the KHL, uh, they go from basically early July and then the season begins September 1. In, uh, in, in the NHL, it, it is up to you to be fully prepared and then you show up fully ready to go because our camp is medical first day, two or three days to camp and then preseason games and then season starts. So uh, he had to change quite a few things uh, uh, to prepare for last season. Uh, and of course, it wasn't uh, good enough. And uh, and so uh, he uh, he's changed up some things, and uh, we expect uh, new and improved Andre Kuzmenko coming and rolling into Vancouver improved. in the next. Wow! Yeah. Well, Dan, like his his some of the uh, images on your Instagram, it kind of looked like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky Four, except for he's in Drago. a tropical yes. climate yeah. and not a wintry yeah. climate. Yeah. Although maybe he is a Drago fan. Yes, uh, maybe yeah. he was rooting for yeah. Drago. Yeah. In that movie, so the the trainers got him in shape, and so I got to, we we had a big Zoom call the kickoff in May, and I basically told him he is not your friend. Uh, you could brag about him later uh, yeah. after he comes back and puts up fifty goals next season, but for the for the time being, he is not your friend. You're not to socialize with this guy. You got to get him back. Uh, you got to get him here in the best shape of his life. And so Andre appreciated it quite a bit, and uh, and and so we'll. Uh, uh, obviously, a huge seasons ahead of us uh, here, and uh, uh, he'll be he'll be ready to go. But uh, um, he's uh, he's a great guy in great spirits. He's he's uh, uh, you know I expect some wonderful things uh, uh, from him and Vancouver Canucks as uh, as a whole uh, for this upcoming season. I'm excited, guys. Very excited. Well, yeah, you're always excited, Dan. And I must say, those who watched training camp last year saw Andre bent over at the waist some maybe uh, looking for a little bit more air than than uh, his teammates and yet he goes out and has a 39 goal season Dan were you at all concerned about the shape he was in at the start of last year uh we 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 were concerned and and uh, and you know I had the same kind of conversation with all of my incoming NHL players out of Europe especially out of Russia um you know you first come in and then I told Ilya Mikhaev the same story years ago you come in and uh, you come in and you go you go hard and then your career goes up 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 and then in november you kind of out of breath and then you, you have a dip and it goes down and then uh, uh, late uh, december through the end of the season you go back up like this and then towards the end of the season you're out of gas completely and so uh we try to tell those guys uh but uh, up until you actually go through it and experience it you don't know right so uh, so Ilya went through. Uh, virtually all the guys have gone through it uh, the first uh, pro season, and so Andre knew knew exactly uh, what he needed to do in order to come back in the best shape. I mean, look at uh, look look at his half naked pictures uh, uh, on on Instagram. Uh, he is uh, he looks great, the the best shape of his life. And so I'm excited. You guys should be excited mm-hmm. too. And 39 only 39 goals. That's a quite disappointment. We're hoping. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, you know, I can tell everybody here is was not disappointed. Uh, they were quite happy with what ended up happening. What wh- off the ice and just just well off the ice and on the ice, just totality of his experience. What do you think Kuzmenko's thought of his time in Vancouver and and the fact that it almost feels like 
you know, and, and I guess Mikheyev's timing was about the same too. Like they've created a bit of a Russian hamlet here where it's been traditionally the Russian players have been attracted to Miami and, and to the New York area. And, and here's now Vancouver with, uh, with a collection of Russian and Belarusian players that probably makes it feel a little bit more like home for a lot of these guys. Well, you know, the, the new thing in, in Russia and Belarus is sushi. So there is there isn't a better place in the entire NHL world than than, than living in Vancouver. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, certainly it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's clearly it's not the taxes or anything, but, you no. know, all the... <laughs> or cost of living, no. Cost of Dan, living, that's you, right. The, the, you need the, to take your show on the road here, okay? You, you need to see some you know, open mic nights here. Yeah, you know, so uh, it's... Obviously, you guys have the new management and and all the new guys. I mean, they they come from you know from from Sweden, from Pittsburgh, from other places around the world. But uh, look, you are in the National Hockey League uh, to play games. I mean, uh, all of us, including myself, we're fortunate to either be in it or work around it, um, and that is a, such a privilege. And same thing for the guys. I mean. Uh, yeah, sure. The sun may be a little bit uh, uh, warmer in in Miami, and and you know, surely you, you know if uh, if you if you like the cars, you could be in Detroit closer to the auto industry. But <laughs> in, I mean, in the end, Vancouver is a great place. The fans are sometimes crazy, including Rick Dolival and some of the other guys. <laughs> but uh, you know, all the jokes aside, I mean, you, you know, I mean, you guys have a great fan base, a phenomenal city. You know, and you're only four or five hours away from the son of Miami or whatever else you need mm-hmm. to be doing. So, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's good. Uh, no complaints. And guys are absolutely loving it. You know, uh, Ilya Mikheyev had well over 15 or 20 teams. Can't remember exactly where he could have taken his talents. And he chose Vancouver. And Andre had 31 teams besides Vancouver to choose from. And he chose Vancouver as well. So there you have it. How's Ilya Mikheyev's recovery going? Is he going to be 100% for the start of preseason? Uh, Ilya is doing great. Uh, he's worked. Uh, he's the hardest working guy in business, or one of them. Um, he um, he arrived back to Vancouver uh, last week. He is in great spirits. He's skating. He's working hard. Um, he had a meeting uh, with uh, the doctors uh, uh, in the U.S. Uh, that uh, have operated on him. And uh, we expect uh, full recovery, and and hopefully he'll be ready before the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Is is it? Are they going to have to take it a little slower in training camp and preseason with Mikheyev just to make sure? I mean, we, we, this is something we're going to talk to in a few days once uh, uh, once we get the doctor's blessings and stuff like okay. that too. I mean, certainly, you know, it was a uh, very unfortunate accident that happened last uh, off season, um, and so uh, this is a uh, you know I uh, I'm I keep reminding Ilya that this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. I mean, we got uh, 82 games in addition to, what, six or seven uh, preseason games, plus hopefully this time around we'll have uh, we'll have a playoff uh, uh, season as well. And so it's not uh, it's not about the preseason, it's about, uh, um, you know, the entire uh, 82 games and then some. Uh, the bat- roster battles in training camp, um, they're, they're going to be there for the Canucks, mm-hmm. uh, particularly on the wing. Um, young players trying to get a piece of the pie is going to be difficult. And yet there's going to be some expectation for the Vancouver Canucks for somebody to grab a piece of that. Um, what do you forecast as the opportunity? What do you think Daniel Klimovich is thinking, for instance, about his 
lot in life. It seems like he would be a long shot to make the team, and yet there's so clearly some progression in his game. And uh, you know, it's it's looking linear right now, which is which is pretty rare for a young player. So before I talk to uh, my friend Danila Klimovich, let me tell you about my other friend and uh, client uh, Pavel Datsuk. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Pavel showed up to a training camp in Detroit in 2001, 2002, uh, there were 13 future Hall of Famers, well, one including himself, hopefully soon. Um, and so uh, never say never. Uh, and uh, so uh, he is, uh, Daniel is getting ready to show up to a training camp. And I'm going back to Pavel. Pavel used to say that, uh, you know, when you're 18 to 23, you're trying to come in, you're trying to, st- to, take, uh, to take a spot uh, from somebody. Uh, to be on the team, and from 23 to 28, you're coming in uh, trying to to get higher up in the um, in the lineup and get more uh, responsibilities and opportunities. And once you're like like 30 plus years old, and you're coming in trying to fight off those hungry 18 to 23 year olds, so it never stops. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're 19, 20, 21, or 39 years old. You're coming in. Everybody's coming into the training camp. Everybody got the same opportunity and, you know, a little more, a little less. But bottom line is uh, uh, it's all about uh, it's all about uh, uh, how you do in the training camp and, and, and how you start your regular season. So there'll be injuries. There'll be many things that would happen. And so uh, and I keep telling Danilo the same thing. You're going to have your choice. Uh, you're going to have your chance. I mean, going back to Danilo, he is uh, he has not gone home. He stayed um uh, outside of uh, taking a week off to come to visit me in Florida. Uh, he's been working hard. He's been in Vancouver doing all the right things. What a great kid. Um, and uh, uh, he, you know, he could be playing right now on all uh, 23 uh, KHL teams, um, but uh, he's here. He's not thinking about anything other than, than, than continuing to develop. This is, once again, this is a uh, uh, marathon. This is not a sprint. And if he doesn't is he does he does he feel that Dan? Is he encouraged by his own development because he goes from scoring six goals when he's when he was sort of way too good for the leagues he was in? He was scoring six goals in games and that sort of thing. And then he comes to the AHL where he's a kid playing with men, and you know he's lucky to get a goal every three weeks. Um, that probably has an effect on a kid. But you know that started to pick up, of course, last season. But is he encouraged? Does he see his own development? Guys, of course he sees his own development. I mean, he, yeah. he was at the, at the age of 18, he was he was the, one of the youngest, if not the youngest uh, uh, player in the AHL. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it takes time. Uh, he's been given bigger and more opportunities. And sometimes it's not about scoring goals every game. It's about playing it the right way, playing it, uh, fitting in the system. And uh, and then he'll have his chance. He'll have his opportunity. Um, and uh, he'll, 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 he'll take it from there. So uh, he is... Uh, He's not a complainer. Not a you know. He is. Uh, he's loving it and appreciates every uh, every minute. Uh, and he's extremely happy to be in Vancouver. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I do yeah. hope that uh, uh, he will be. He will have uh, some some NHL action this season. Um, and uh, we'll just take it from there. Dan, I can remember years ago talking to Kurt Overhart, the agent, who said, you know, what helped my guys was I had Brendan Morrison on the team when Kevin Bieksa got there, and there was mentorship. Then I had BX on the team when Ryan Kessler got there and there was mentorship. Ilya, Mikheyev, Andre, and Danila, what's their relationship like? And do you anticipate, and is it already happening, that you have mentorship between your clients here with the three guys in Vancouver? Guys, it always is, right? So I've had the other day a a player on another team, uh, Pavel Datsuk has called the guy, right? So we've had uh, uh, other guys that uh, uh, that basically stepped up. Same thing here. Ilya and Andre have been uh, uh, doing uh, 
uh, have, have been helping out uh, uh, Danila quite a bit. So it's going to take some time uh, for him, but uh, but definitely he he has some great guys around him, and um, and I will take it from there. But then of course, if Andre goes on to score sixty five goals. You know what? Vancouver may or may not be able to afford him. And what happens? Danilo steps up and takes up his spot on the team. <laughs> you got it all planned out, Dan. I don't know, guys. Look, look, we're just having a good time. And, uh, and same, same thing. So the younger guys are, are coming in. Um, and then uh, our, our veterans always help out. Um, and, um, and then uh, they're recycled. There's one. Uh, uh, there's, you know, I have a great uh, example in happening in Tampa right now. Uh, so one of the Russian players, the young ones, uh, came in straight from Russia. And uh, uh, Nikita Kucherov found out that uh, he didn't have a place in Tampa. So uh, he has given them one of his uh, one of his homes to live in uh, while he is uh, preparing for the season. You know, same thing, Kirill Marchenko in, in Columbus. He lived in Fed, Feather Tutin's house. And then same thing here. I mean... Uh, you know, for, uh, when Ilya isn't here, Danilo gets to use his car and stuff like that too. So they mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. you know, so there there is no um, there, there is no competition. It's it's they're all they all are friends off ice right. and on ice. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, lastly, Dan, and uh, on a sadder note, uh, we've I know we've been communicating, but all our condolences and sympathies are, are with the Amaroff family, uh, your former client, uh, Rodion, and I. You shared a uh, very touching story the other day about a um, stuffed toy, a, an albatross, uh, that you'll take with it. I know you've been in, uh, going back and forth between Europe and North America this year, ha- um, consoling the Amaroff uh, family. Tell us the story about the the Amaroff or the albatross that you posted the other day. So, uh, so I've been with. Uh, I've been. We found out that uh, Rodian was uh, sick and he was. Uh, 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 it was an operable brain cancer about two years ago. We went public with it uh, February of uh, approximately February of 2022. And so there, there hasn't been three or four weeks that I did not fly back, whether it was Germany, Russia, Canada, U.S., wherever, to be with Rodian. Uh, he's such a great guy. Not a single time uh, did he complain, uh, not, not once. The day when he got six, mo- six months to leave the note from the doctors, um, I, you know, I was, I, uh, I was driving him, uh, back to my house and I, I looked at him and I said, Rudy, how are you doing? He goes like, I'm okay. I'm concerned for my parents. That was the weakest point in the entire two years, the weakest time that, uh, that he basically, um, said that he was concerned for the parents, never for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, uh, blind for the last eight or nine months. He was completely paralyzed. Uh, for the last uh, two or three months or so, and so we knew that the day was uh, was happening, coming. But he did not one time complain. Um, and uh, a story about um, uh, about six months ago, I wanted him to move his money out of North America back to to Russia, so that the you know the thought was you know the parents are there. Um, you know, there's no way for them to get to North America, so that let's move the money over. But I didn't say that to him because he he never he never acknowledged that he was uh, deadly ill. So I said, hey, Rudy, let's move money uh, to Russia. So while you're there, while you're getting well, you'll have some money for yourself. And he looked, and he basically looked at me and said, you know what? The Russian ruble is not very stable right now. Uh, let's keep it there. When I come back to Toronto to play, I'll have the money to to rent an apartment and to live off. Um, so that's kind of a character. And uh, Albatross, uh, the toy's been with him through uh, over the last two years by his side everywhere he went. And uh, he and his parents wanted me to have it uh, after um, after he left us. So um, uh, I just uh, 
you know, just came back to North America, actually flew in at 620 this morning. And at the airports through the screening, I was I was stopped each and every time. And uh, and then they wanted to pull the toy out of my bag just to make sure that it was no explosives. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's to me, it's like a, and I called uh, uh, Rodian's parents and I said, you know, he keeps fighting me. He just uh, he, you know, he, he keeps fighting me everywhere I get stopped uh, uh, for one for one thing or, or another. So um, he is uh, I'm going to miss him dearly. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he was going to be. Um, he was going to be a phenomenal player, but most importantly, he was and uh, uh, a phenomenal person. Mm. And so we, I'm going to miss him not as a hockey player as much, but I'm going to miss him as as a friend, as a human being. Very well said, Thanks sir. Thanks for the story. Um, thank you for the story. Once again, condolences, Dan, to you and the Amaroff uh, family. Thank you for the time here, and we wish you and yours all the best here in this upcoming season. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you soon. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags, best and worst of Twitter.com brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason.Mortgage. Jason recently got a Harrison Price listener who was thinking of buying, approved, locked in their rate for four months. Soon thereafter, rates increased 2.5%. Jason saved the money. And hey, if rates go down, this listener can always readjust. Jason will tend to the details. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Um. Big news in women's hockey today at NHL.com. The new professional women's hockey league will have six teams Mm. beginning play in January. So this is their original six, if you will, for the professional women's hockey league. Is it will be called, um, alas, Vancouver is not one of them. No. Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Mm. and then three in the States, including Minnesota. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Greg Wyshynski says the New York team is actually going to play out of Bridgeport, Connecticut. Ah, well, as we talked about, it was going to get it was going to be difficult to forge a coast to coast league with the assorted yeah. travel costs that that brings in. I'm amazed that they're using Minnesota. Well, I'm not just because state of hockey. It's and a that, hotbed that, for that's sure. That's where but... the women's game, I think, the heartbeat is in, in south of the line. Do you know what the team name is there? No. Or has been traditionally. Mm. Whitecaps. Oh, right. Yeah. I did so, know that. I wonder if they'll stick with that. Very confusing. Mm-hmm. At Wii Sports, Team USA Ryder Cup captain's picks. This is Zach Johnson heading over to Rome to face the Europeans, who, needless to say, are on a roll with Victor Hovland winning the Tour Championship. Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Sam Burns and Justin Thomas makes it, Blake. They join the automatic qualifiers. Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark won the U.S. Open. Brian Harmon won the Open Championship. Patrick Cantley, Max Holman, Xander Shoffley. The left off the list mm-hmm. uh, trio of Lucas Glover, who won two events late in the campaign. Keegan Bradley, who played really good golf all year and remember how much the Ryder Cup meant to Keegan Bradley when he was an elite player several cycles ago. Um, as already said, he's had to cancel his flight to Rome. And Cameron Young, who's a very good player. Thomas getting in here is very, very interesting because really he was dreadful for most of the year. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even make the top 70 
in the FedEx Cup standings. Like finishing like last in fields kind mm-hmm. of bad. Now, look, this is an opportunity for redemption, right? He's played on Ryder Cup teams in the past. At his best, he's one of the best 12 American players. And then you do wonder about the Kepka pick and whether or not that will have any kind of unsettling effect on the team room. Brooks doesn't always play well with others. And, of course, he's the one live player here. I mean, this is really nothing, but I thought it was kind of funny. In the Ryder Cup captain picks Zoom call that was televised, um, like all the PGA players are buttoned down nicely, clean cut, looking ready for business. <laughs> Brooks Kapka looked like he had rolled out of bed right. and put a hat on. He, he probably did. His unkempt beard, like it was sticking in all. It looked like Seth Rogen with a hat on is what it looked like. <laughs> It was pretty funny. Does that mean he'll be doing a stoner comedy soon? He's just, he's like anti-establishment everything yeah, that's now. it. Unbelievable. At Alex Gongiruzic, uh, I don't know how realistic it is, but another name I'd love to see for the Canadian men's national team manager job is Wilfred Nancy. Did well with Montreal and Columbus, plays attractive soccer, gets a lot of the stars and depth, has worked with a lot of the Canadian men's national team players, is bilingual, has a Canadian passport. And he was looking for feedback on on that. It's a it's a nice sleeper name. Like I know everybody at home is going to want Herdman's replacement to be somebody brand name and big in the world of soccer, but and Salati. <laughs> yeah, yeah, names like that people will well, bring out. I, I mean, it's not going to happen. He said he was rooting for Canada at the last World Cup. He takes up residence here mm-hmm. in Vancouver in the off season with this Canadian. He was rumored ride. to be taking the Brazilian job. Right. Up until a couple of weeks ago. So he's not going to go from... Dare to dream, Blake. He turned down Brazil. Cup. No, but if you win... So you take the Brazilian head coaching job. If you don't win the World Cup, you're a failure. If you win, they just put it on the pile. Exactly. Just throw <laughs> another one on the pile. If you take over Canada and you do something here, you're a builder and you live forever in this country. Anyhow, I think you should probably aim at Wilfred Nancy and the like rather than Ancelotti. No, I'm thinking big. I'm thinking big. All right. Uh, This is a story that I meant to get to yesterday. But you may have noticed, Blake, that the uh, Edmonton Elks. Red hot. Snapped their CFL record 22-game home losing streak on Sunday with a victory over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Hot, hot, hot. Yes. At CFL underscore news, Chris Jones gets doused. Did you see they dumped the Gatorade bucket on the head coach? That's a lot. They went further on social at Go Elks. Over 1,400 days, but who was counting? And there's a photo of a wooden disc or a wood cookie which you may know when the red blacks score a touchdown at home they have a lumberjack mm. crew that cuts a wood cookie from a big log portland timbers did that first. they do that yeah. too exactly and it had all the losses listed with the score the opponent and the date and there's a little bit of history to the wood chip too 2015 great cup in winnipeg edmonton and the elks and previous to that eskimos were known or continued to be known perhaps as the pettiest franchise in the CFL. 
they lobbied the league to not allow the Lumberjack crew to come to Grey Cup, saying it was a neutral site league game, so they shouldn't get that mm-hmm. home whatever advantage of a touchdown home celebration. Advantage. You know, it'd be yeah. like, you know, like you're not allowing the Calgary horse. But the Calgary horse has always been I, the Grey Cup. Anyways, yeah. so there's a history to the wood cookie in itself. But this was once a really proud franchise. Like, I wonder what the Edmonton Old Guard thinks of all this. We're dumping a water a Gatorade bucket on the coach after a second win of the season? Well, the, the real danger in Edmonton is that the Old Guard is almost gone now. And they've got to find a way to engage the young base there. And I guess... Yeah, I'm just saying, the for the better part of our lifetime, this was not a franchise that celebrated a home win no. over an under 500 Eastern opponent. City of champions and all that. Right. Are you out? I'm out. That's hashtags for today. <whistles> Joined now by Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter from Rinkwide. Jeff, how are you? I'm good, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pay, and you're going to be in for Blake here the rest of the week, but I wanted to pick your brain on what Elliot Friedman had to say yesterday with our friends Halford and Bruff, that he feels like pretty much all of the Leas Pedersen contract matter in Vancouver and extension will be rooted in the competitiveness of the team this year. Now, of course, last week, Elias talked about how, you know, he wanted to get off to a good start and refer out browse everywhere. But did you always perceive this as a one and done? How competitive are they this year in in terms of being able to retain Elias long term? Yeah, I wish I had made note of the Twitter or the Xer uh, as it is, uh, because it was funny last week, somebody had uh, suggested that this final year of Pedersen's deal is really a show-me deal for the Canucks, essentially. Uh, you know, players have to take one-year deals as show-me deals to, to get the next contract. Uh, this is really turning the tables on the organization, and that is kind of what it is. I mean, the guy puts up 102 points, and they don't get a sniff of the playoffs last year. Uh, he did his part. They should be better. Uh, they should be, you know, by now they should have surrounded him with enough that uh, this team can be competitive. And they they think that they've addressed some areas of uh, considerable weakness here in the offseason, defense, and that goes hand in hand with the penalty kill. Obviously, they're banking on a much better season from Thatcher Demko. And if he can be the backbone, then that can propel this hockey club. But yeah, I, I think when it came to the comments and just the fact that it has been a radio silence really all summer long here when Austin Matthews got his deal done and before that, Sebastian Ajo, and those were two contracts that I think the Patterson camp was keeping a pretty close eye on. Uh, the fact that he said that he's in no rush, that his focus is on this season, and that he's prepared to play into the season without any sort of extension, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that sort of notice to the organization that he wants to see that you know it's time to get this group back into the postseason the one time that he's had playoff experience was in the bubble again he did his part there he was better than a point a game guy 18 points in the 17 games that he played in his first taste of postseason hockey as odd as the circumstances were there in the bubble with no crowd um you know but I'm sure he wants to get back there I think the fan base certainly wants to see Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko and you know what this core group can do uh in the playoffs but uh, baby steps, and it all starts really, I mean, you know, no cliche, but it does start at the start here, and there's so much importance 
on this organization getting off to a good start. And so uh, he's a huge part of that. And, you know, let's see what happens through training camp and the preseason and ultimately when the puck drops on October 11th. It's so curious to see how an organization would respond with that kind of pressure from a singular player but such an important player, like, does it guide their hand in management decisions? Does Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvine, Sean Payton, do they all consider this, um, you know, when they're making decisions throughout the course of the season as to, you know, a player move? Like, did, does that put pressure on a Tyler Myers trade so that they can do another move down down the way? You thinking they're going to claim Bradley <clears throat> Roby on waivers here by it's, tomorrow at noon? It, 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 take nothing off the table. Uh, look, weak side linebacker has been an issue for this team forever. <laughs> so, uh, hey, if that's who they're consulting these days, then uh, I guess all the more power to them. But uh, uh, I'd focus on uh, hockey personnel and, and on ice. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, but I, I, you know, I, I say like, yes, perhaps, but that's what got this organization into trouble in the past and previous regimes, you know, the short-term thinking, trying to address, uh, you know, immediate needs without an eye towards the future. Like if Elias Pettersson's put them on notice with his actions or his lack of action this summer, you know, the bulk of the heavy lifting was done in and around July 1st when they went out and they got the defenseman that they wanted and they got Teddy Bluger and then, you know, the addition of P.S. Suter uh, is a nice one. And I, I do think that that's an upgrade at that third-line center position and it's going to help the hockey club. But I, I don't see them sitting back in the corner office at Rogers Arena and saying, well, he doesn't have his extension. You know, we've got to plow ahead here and make a whole bunch more organizational moves out of the gate. Like, I, I think they've set their team in the short term here, not to say that they can't make a move or two and, and tweak, but, you know, I think they now as an organization want to go forward into the season with the, the cast that they've assembled and then they see, but it comes back to the start. I mean, they open with back-to-back against McDavid and Dreisaitl and the Oilers. Like in this marketplace, guys, we know how this market reacts. Like if they go 0-2 right out of the gate and the second game's in Edmonton and then they're on a, a Far East road trip, like there will be angst. There will be hand-wringing. It really, to me, it plays like, I don't want to get way out in front of myself, but it does feel like it puts a premium on getting a win. At the very least, get a split against the Oilers who had the best power play in the National Hockey League and really in modern National Hockey League history. And we know the the foils of the Canucks penalty kill. Again, they think they've upgraded. It's going to be put to the test in the first two nights of this season. Well, and especially, Jeff, like they go to the Florida teams on that road trip. Like those are not easy games. Uh, Those are two quality hockey clubs. The Nashville a couple times, St. Louis and the Rangers. So no, this is not exactly uh, an easy handshake October for the Vancouver Canucks, you're quite right. A third consecutive bad October to knock you out of the proceedings by Remembrance Day would be absolutely uh, rock bottom for this team. Here's something else I wanted to ask you about. And Blake was quicker to pick up on this than me. And and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the market has turned on Elias because I don't believe that's the case. I think there's a lot of people who assign blame to the Vancouver Canucks and what you just talked about, that the chickens come home to roost when you're a poorly run organization that makes so many short-sighted decisions as they have over the last decade. But I sense some genuine disappointment and even some anger amongst Canucks fans towards Elias and towards the spot that effectively he's he's put the club in. And, of course, the narrative that will have been created by this will he or won't he resign this year. 
Yeah, I, I think that's highly misguided. Uh, this is a hockey player that is on the cusp of signing perhaps the biggest deal in Vancouver Canuck history, depending on the, the term. And in an environment where the salary cap is going up, like how, how could you knock this guy and his camp for trying to be prudent and patient and see what's happening around them and take all of that into account? So this notion that it was you know, priority number one for the Vancouver Canucks here in the offseason, it takes two sides to get a deal done. And it always felt like the Pedersen camp was going to play the waiting game here. So uh, I, I think this is a savvy market. I think most people understand sort of all that's at play here. And perfect world, would you have Elias Pedersen locked up and you'd go to camp and everything would be rosy? Sure, but it's not a perfect world. And all of these factor into what is going to be a big decision, not only for Pedersen, but obviously for the organization, and if he can back up last year, guys, I mean, he's got a 102-point season in his back pocket, but this is a platform year. If he backs it up again, then like he holds all the cards. I think he holds most of the cards as it is right now. But if he can back up a 102-point season with anything close to that, like he can basically say, write me a check at this point, at this number. The Canucks don't want to lose a guy that's had consecutive 100-point seasons. And so I, the way I see it, no there is some pressure on him to back that up. And I fully expect that he's going to have another terrific season if he stays healthy. I think, you know, that's just how good a player he is. And I do think that they've upgraded and they've made this team around him a little bit better and, and that should help. Uh, but boy, if he can have another monster season in a platform year, to me, uh, absolutely, he calls the shots. And I think the Canucks are going to have to dance to uh, whatever tune he is playing when they eventually get around to uh, final negotiations. Speaking of backing up a season, Mr. Kuzmenko, also needs to back that up and show that this is just what he is in the National Hockey League. The problem is he's set the bar awfully high for himself. Now, the situation, you can argue, is actually just going to get better. There's there's better depth probably for the Canucks as a, as a roster. I don't know that there's a reason why the power play should slip any. In fact, it, it might potentially even get better with new eyes upon it. Um, is there any reason to believe that Kuzmenko can't do what he just did? I mean, the math tells you that with the shooting percentage that there's probably going to be some regression, even though that he scores so many goals where shooting percentage didn't really factor in the tap-ins and the backdoor plays. And, you know, I mean, it's like a basketball player whose shooting percentage is high because all he does is dunk the ball. Uh, that's what Kuzmenko did. So, you know, I, I, I fully expect I – mean, I can't see a world in which he's not playing with Elias Pettersson from the outset. The chemistry was undeniable – uh, I think they complement each other. You know, who's on their wing? That's still to be determined. That's what training camp in the preseason is for. I'm sure Rick Tockett has uh, some line combinations written on a whiteboard somewhere at Rogers Arena. So I expect that Kuzmenko is going to, you know, have another good season. I think he's a really good player. He probably shoots a little bit more this year, and that kept his shooting percentage up. He didn't waste any shots, but, you know, a guy can shoot the puck. We saw that going back to when he stepped on the ice at Whistler last year for, you know, his first look uh, at NHL training camp. So I would think more confident. You see the videos from his uh, world tour here. Like, he's not just seeing the sights. He's putting in the effort. Uh, he looks like he's in incredible shape. And Rick Tockett kind of laid down that gauntlet as well. All of that said, uh, we did a sort of prediction issue uh, version on, on Rinkwide recently. And one of the questions we asked was how many 40-goal scores for the Canucks. And I said one. I think Pedersen gets there. And I think Kuzmenko is close, but I'm going to say, and I'm going to stick with what I said uh, previously, that yeah, you know whether it's regression, whether it's the shooting percentage that drops, whether it's the league that's onto him, whether you know maybe Pedersen scores a little more on the power play, and maybe that eats up a few of 
uh, Kuzmenko's power play goals, although I think they can both uh, be productive on the power play. You know, replacing Bo Horvat in the bumper is going to be difficult, and I'm really curious to see what the power play looks like in the formations. And obviously, Jason King's not here, so different voices involved there. Uh, all of that said, I think Kuzmenko, he's got his contract. He should come to camp with the full experience now of the National Hockey League. No, nothing should surprise him. Yeah, I think he's going to have another good season. But I think ultimately he'll fall just short. And uh, Before I joined you, I was just looking to see how many 40-goal scorers there were in the National Hockey League last year. There were 19. You know how many guys scored more than 42 goals last year? Eight. Yeah. Eight guys. Like, it's not easy to score in the 40 NHL. is the cutoff then. <laughs> yeah, between 40 <laughs> and 42. separate the good from the great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, I think he can push 40, but... You know, if you're asking me, I say he falls just short, yeah. and there's no, and there's no shame in that. No, uh, I think when we talk about Vancouver Canucks bouncing back from injury, everybody rightfully focuses on Thatcher Demko. He missed a large chunk of last year. He was not great in the early part of the season. He was a lot better in the second half. And of course, there's always the worry and concern: Are they going to overuse him? And how many games is he going to play? I feel like Ilya Mikheyev's getting a little bit lost in that conversation. This is a darn good hockey player and a darn good penalty killer who missed half of last year. And you do wonder, and of course played on a lame knee effectively for the first part of your, of the year. You do wonder if he is back a hundred percent fully healthy. And of course we talked to Dan Milstein earlier about this, the impact he can have on this hockey club in three areas, Jeff as a penalty killer, his speed, if it fully returns, because we know they're not the fastest lot and, and sometimes, you know, a player like Pedersen, where skating isn't exactly the strength. As Alain Vigneault used to always say about Burroughs, he gets the Twins playing faster. Do you wonder if McKayev could get him playing uh, faster? But also, like, this is not a guy who's offensively inept. Like, he can certainly chip in and be a part of the offensive equation here. Uh, what are your thoughts on McKayev coming back from this big ACL injury? Uh, I'm a little leery. I mean, this is significant surgery. And I know modern medicine... I don't want to ever say it's routine, but uh, certainly these procedures have been performed on athletes, you know, for a while now. And I do think that uh, technology and everything has allowed these to get better, to help the recovery sooner and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about basically a reconstructed knee. Uh, Sometimes in these cases, it really, it takes almost a full year. Uh, You know, when you play at this level, guys, you have to be so free in your mind that there's not an issue that you're not going to... Uh, damage it in any other way. Now, it sounds like he's been skating here for some of the month of August. Uh, you know, he's supposed to be ready to hit the ground at training camp, all that kind of stuff. That's great. Uh, where does he slot in? In my world, I I would probably put Bovillier up on the top line, showcase him maybe a little bit, try and bump up his value. There was some chemistry when he arrived uh, on that top line with Pedersen. And I kind of like the idea of Mikheyev as a little bit of a defensive conscience with JT Miller and Brock Besser until we see that those two guys can be better defensively you know, than they were for good stretches last year. Now, uh, you want to believe that uh, the speed is going to be there. I mean, that is his mule ticket. You're right. Uh, and when he is fully healthy, like he's at another level. And we saw some of that at training camp, but he got hurt in the first preseason game. And so it really is hard to assess what we saw from Ilya Mikheyev last year because he was playing on a bum knee. And, you know, good for him for trying to play through it until ultimately they had to shut him down there at the All-Star break. Uh, the thing for me, guys, is that he has to show that he can stay healthy. Like that's been, forget the, you know, establishing career highs for goals or points. 
he's never played more than 54 games in an NHL season, and he's been around for a little while now in Toronto and, and here last year as well. So you know, I don't want to say a guy is injury-prone. I don't think that's fair to paint him with that brush. There's been circumstances, but I'd just like to see him stay healthy and contribute on a nightly basis because, as you said, Matt, I mean, he has talents and skills that other guys don't and absolutely can help this hockey club, but you got him in the lineup to uh, to be able to use those gifts. God, he was he was fine on a bun knee. Like, he wasn't great, but he was no, fine. No. So can imagine? Can you That's imagine? Sort of my point here is, yeah, yeah like, that, it'd be pretty exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, marvelous stuff. As mentioned, you're uh, in with me the rest of the week. Thank yeah. you for this. Uh, but before we go, I know you're a big golf guy. I know you took in some of the CP Women's Open on the weekend at Shaughnessy. How do you think the event went? Uh, I thought it was terrific. I was really impressed yeah. just uh, with the way that it was presented. It had a big event feel. Uh, obviously, it's been a while since Golf Canada has brought uh, a pro event out here to the West Coast. 2011, the, the Men's Open. And I was at Shaughnessy as well. Uh, I was out there on Saturday. Brooke Henderson had had the Good Friday, and there really was sort of a pop that maybe she was going to get things moving and and be a factor. I uh, had the Good Sunday, but Saturday... Didn't get off to a great start. Uh, couldn't get up and down on the bunker of the first hole. And uh, then I think she bogeyed the second. Anyways, there was three over on, on Saturday. But, I mean, I walked the first couple of holes with her. And they were lying 10 and 12 deep on both sides of the fairway. Like, the people came out to, to see uh, their star. And there's so much pressure on her, obviously. I mean, she's been at this a while. And she handles it uh, with grace. And, you know, you just like to see a little more consistency in her game. But I just I, I thought from... Um, you know, activations and things for people to do on the grounds. And, you know, there's a couple of ways to watch a golf tournament. You can walk uh, with a group. You can zip around and pick up different groups as you go. You can sit at a hole and watch as all the groups come through. Or, you know, for some people, if they didn't want to leave sort of that central area near the clubhouse, uh, I thought there were lots of things to do for kids and putting contests and chipping and other things and a great entertainment area that, uh, you know, was hopping on a sunny Saturday afternoon. So uh, I, I just thought it had the big event feel. It was great to have pro golf back uh, at that level on the West Coast. And at the end, I mean, what an incredible birdie at 18 by uh, uh, Megan Kang to force the playoff and then ultimately gets her first uh, win on the LPJ Tour. So a uh, good storyline. Would have been a better storyline had Brooke Henderson been in the mix on Sunday. She tried with the uh, incredible front nine on Sunday. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, unfortunately, I could only get out the one day, but I'm glad I went and uh, I thought it was a well-run event. Well, uh, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, she can see clearly now with the glasses, the oddity being she played without wearing contacts in the in the past, which is just mind-blowing uh, for some. And then um, secondly, just talking to a couple of Shaughnessy members, they thought, you know, their membership could probably get behind a tournament once every five years. And, of course, Shaughnessy has its own uncertain future. But, yeah. boy, it's such a great golf course. It's a terrific property. I would love to see one of the – Men's or ladies open once every five years mm-hmm. at Shaughnessy. Jeff, thanks for this. Catch up tomorrow. Okay, yeah, guys. Thank you. Let's take care of some price from Wall Center. Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. Good to be right. Very good there. I try and position that like in Formula One when the safety car peels off Mm -hmm. and then the leader has his choice of when he really wants to get on the gas and try and pull away from the field. Max Verstappen did this uh, Sunday. 
at the uh, Dutch Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and um, you were right on my tail there. You went with me, yep. as they would say in F1. Yeah, that's true. I don't have any E's and O's from yesterday's program, so unless Blake wants to self-report wow. something, hearing nothing, moving on no. to the Bodog line of the day, Bodog, your first free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, so you like what you got. I mean, just don't bet against him right now. Ryan Gold to score a goal at any time tomorrow versus the Chicago Fire pays out a plus 230 right now. On your Bodog line of the day. That's with that evil grin. It's one of the Bodog lines that I had down for earlier. Yeah. Stole it. It's all right. I'll recast. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcast, And then please do uh, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.